It's always great to hang out with thought leaders and experts, and I was delighted to be joined on this week's TRM podcast by Katrina Collier, who is a speaker, trainer, uh, guru in all things sourcing, and author of The Robot Proof Recruiter, which is my go-to book when it comes to tips and tactics and strategies about sourcing uh, best practice. Uh, we're going to talk all about partnership, client partnership. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, candidate partnership. We're going to talk about the candidate first uh, approach and a candidate owned market and what we could and should be doing in 2022 and beyond really to make sure that we can access the right talent and the best talent, not only for the jobs that we need to fill in the short term, but also for the community that we want to build in the long term. As always, fascinating half an hour. Really enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it too. A massive welcome onto the TRM podcast to Katrina Collier. Uh, Hello. Join us. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen, Katrina, this is this is uh, this is uh, interesting times, uh, exciting times in the world of recruitment. <laughs> in 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 terms of talent short markets, how does that how does this sort of compare with the uh, the years gone by for you? I think this is the worst it's ever been um, because it's almost every industry. Mm. You know, previously it was always STEM that was difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even from if you do the 2008 crash, even that, I mean, it's still obviously that was the huge offload and then we were hiring again, but it was not in the same pace. Um, I actually got told off for saying overfiring because it sounds like f- companies flippantly overfired in 2020, but it kind of felt like that, didn't it? Everyone panicked, let go of all their staff that were, they <laughs> felt were superfluous, and then suddenly they're now trying to hire them all back. And then so it's the natural churn of people hasn't happened that would just normally flow, you know, ebb and flow. So now it's a bit panicked. But plus you do have those people who've kind of gone, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's it's more people than you think. I, I constantly talking to people going, I just don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. Which so you, is quite so, fascinating. So, so you're a believer in the great the great resignation or the great reshuffle or the great whatever we want to call it. Uh, whatever buzzword bingo lingo you want to call it. <laughs> I think it's like a great reassessment. I mean, I, I I might have told you this before, but you know, I I had my car serviced. I got an Uber back, and my Uber driver used to run a restaurant here in Greenwich with like two hundred places, and he was like, I worked 15, 16 hours a day on Saturday and Sunday, and he goes, suddenly I'm in lockdown with my six year old son, going, I don't know who this kid is. Like, how did he get to six? I don't know him. Mm. So he's just gone. I'm not doing it anymore. He's doing Uber, he gets to see his family grow up. And then he was telling me about six chefs. Now, there's always been a monumental shortage of chefs. Six chefs who are also now driving Uber Eats or Delivery, whatever they're all called, Deliveroo, because they can earn twice the money without the stress. And you're just going, gosh, that's just seven people he's just told me about in like one short Uber drive. And it's not just that. I know recruiters leaving the industry as well. And I know others are going, I just don't, don't want to do what I'm doing. And I think it's because we all had this opportunity to stop that constant role of this is what I do Monday to Friday. I got on the train and I go into town and I work and I come home and, and suddenly it was like, oh, oh, what am I doing? So I, I think it's amazing. Um, I don't want to use any of the buzzwords. I just think yeah. people, many, many people have just decided to have a rethink what they're doing. 
And, and, in, and in your space, you know, we, we listen to economists, we listen to what, what um, experts are telling us. So this talent shortage is not going to go away uh, this quarter, this next six months. How long, how, what are you hearing in terms of how long you anticipate this? I mean, Corn Ferry is saying we're going to have an 85 million talent shortage by 2030. So it's just going to go on and on and on. Oh, well, isn't that great for recruitment agencies? Um, I, I don't see it finishing anytime soon. I mean, certainly we, we're always going to have a problem in STEM because there's just not enough people coming into it. We need to rethink how we do that. We need to think about who can we cross train? Who can we, like, there's just not the natural flow of people, which is bizarre. You know, you think how much we love using technology, but, you know, kids aren't coming out of school thinking, I'll go into technology. So it's, it's yeah, the, that needs to have a whole rethink. We need to get far, far more creative. And I think one of the things we've seen with the, the whole pandemic lockdown, people working wherever they had to, is just that we don't have to do work the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. It is possible to try different things. And actually, I, um, I'm just about to write this into edition two of the Robot Proof Recruiter. Uh, General Motors in Canada wanted to reopen one of their um, manufacturing plants and they wanted to get up the gender diversity. And instead of going, well, if we just go out to market and we ask for manufacturing experience, we are just going to get men. So they didn't. They designed an interview that was about putting a door together. So they got something like 12,000 applications, put 5,000 through the process of putting a door together, (laughs) a car door, and they ended up with 1,200 new starters for the plant and half of them were women. Wow. And they got them in from all different sectors and they just cross-trained them. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be rethinking how we're doing it. Yeah. Um, and just like really taking a look back. I mean, I ran a workshop with a group of care homes uh, late last year and they were doing just silly stuff that, you know, we look at it as outsiders and go, what are you doing? You know, they wanted people to be available 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Okay, well, why don't you just say, okay, we're looking for some you know, mums perhaps who drop the kids off and then are happy to come in and work for a few hours and then leave, that would fit the middle of the day. Well, what about shift people who want to actually just work nights because they've got something else going on? Like they weren't being flexible in their thinking mm-hmm. and that's what we need to be doing. And I think as agents as well, you have this great ability to be able to consult and partner. So the more of your network who are learning what's going on and then offering different solutions and offering ideas, mm-hmm. the more they're going to stand out the greater that partnership will be with those companies that they're working for. They yeah. can offer something different, get them thinking differently. And I know, I know partnership is, partnering is one of your favourite expressions. Um, mm. when it are you it saying, totally is, like seriously. <laughs> if we, you know, we're, we're steaming, steaming through 2022, we're, we're heading into March very soon. So, I don't, How did that happen? It's meant to be a slow year this year. Last year was way too fast. <laughs> so are, are you seeing more creative, more consultative partnering uh, taking place? Uh, you'll see obviously specifics, you'll see recruitment agencies who, are, who get it, you know, doing it particularly well. But are you seeing the trend of people who really understand the, uh, the, the partnership piece? Are you, are you seeing the evolution of recruiters who are really qualifying roles and specking and, and digging deep to understand what, what on earth this, this role and opportunity is all about? Or is it still quite a lot of the same? Uh, and not as much as I'd like. 
I, I would like to see far more pushback, but, you know, there's still that fear. And, of course, it all depends how the agency is set up, doesn't it? So if they're set up with this serious KPI, like I used to call it gun to the head recruitment, you know, you must make so many calls, you must do so many deals, you know, and it's like actually the, they then have a fear to say no. Gordon, I am not working on this role. Like, thanks for giving it to me. But what the hell? Why aren't you giving me an intake strategy session? Why can't we sit down? Why are you keeping me at arm's length? Why won't you give me time? Why can't we set the interview pattern and stick to it? Why won't you give me feedback? Like, they're not, they haven't got that audacity. And I think it's because recruitment leaders don't allow them to have that. If ever there was a market for agents to be able to say, yeah, just go away. I am not working on that stuff. Like you're not going to offer me 5% and keep me at arm's length and I'm one of 16 agencies in this kind of crap. If there was ever a market to not have that happen, it's this market Definitely. because everyone's struggling. The in-house recruiters are struggling and the agencies are struggling. So it's this great opportunity to go, yeah, no. And I think people will really respect it. Like the reason I'm pushing back and the reason I'm saying no is because of this. what this market's like. Candidates have multiple offers on the go. And I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste your time. You know, we've got to get someone together. We've got to work fast and we've got to work as a team. And it's a different attitude. It's a different shift. But I'm not sure that the majority of agencies will allow that yet. Which means, which means it's a great opportunity for those who do. When you, you, you mm. talked about uh, consult, you talked about audacity. So is it audacity? Yes. Is it confidence? Yeah. Is it lack of training? Is it, is it culture? Oh. I mean, lack of training. I was just talking to an agency, actually, and they just want me to do a talk, really, just to rev them up. And it, I think it worked out as something ridiculous, like uh, 60 quid a head or something, right? Because it was just a talk. And, and he's like, I'm not sure I'll get it approved. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, you're not filling roles. And he, he said he admitted they have like a £20,000 as the average placement. And I was like thinking of my fee and the, the and going, are you, are you joking? What if every single one of your staff members made one more placement? Mm. But there's never that thought when it comes to training and learning and development and, and really amping up the human side, which I talk about. Like I have agents who say, I can't even buy my team your book. And you're going, are you kidding? It's like 19 quid. Like yeah. just pay for it yourself. Um, but it, it, there's this weird thing about we won't invest in our team. But the more you do and the more you build up that human skill, so the confidence and the fearlessness and the inquisitiveness, the curiosity to constantly mm. dig, dig, dig and find out that other information that you really need to stand out in this marketplace. The, yeah. the more you invest in that, the more placements you're going to make, the more money you'll make. But you'll have these amazing partnerships with your, your clients that are much more one-to-one -one instead of like one of, you know, I know, I know um, agents out there are like one of 15 and stuff. I'm like, I would just tell the client to go away. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear, thinking this yeah, might yeah, go out on Apple. It was, it was coming out. <laughs> okay, so, so well, here's, here's what, that makes a lot of sense to me. And actually an interesting observation I, I, I've made since you and I were talking at the beginning of the year is that um, if, we're, if we've got a, a long-term talent sh shortage ahead of yeah. us, and we recognise that candidates are not only our customers, but they're also our product, then yeah. it is pretty balmy not to have a candidate strategy or whatever you want to call it. And mm -hmm. so my new thing at the moment is to every one of our 
uh, recruitment business leaders is send me a candidate strategy, please, your two page mm -hmm. document, whatever it is. And uh, uh, it doesn't exist. So we have this part of our, we have part of the mix is so critical for the next few years. And yet there's no, yeah. there's a lot of work and effort and tactic, tactical stuff happening. But show me the big plan. Now, you yeah, wrote, I think there needs to be much more of that keeping in touch, that uh, developing genuine relationships, that initial call, that initial outreach has to be what are you doing next, not the immediacy of the current role. There needs yeah. to be different thinking to hook people in on a conversation because they're just getting approached so much yeah. across the board, all sorts of skills. It's just, I mean, recruiters are getting approached three, four, five times a week. <laughs> when did that happen? Um, we're suddenly unicorns. So it's just what it's got to take something different and then it's got to be use the technology to keep in touch with people, to genuinely offer some value to that yeah. candidate pool because they are your future clients. They will go in and open doors. I mean, my, my contractors used to love me so much, they'd get a contract extension um, with a rate increase and keep my 20%. They wouldn't cut my bit. <laughs> and it was because I had that loyalty and I kept in touch with them. It's not complicated. Yeah. Just be a nice human being. But that goes back to the intake. If you don't set that up from that initial conversation with the hiring manager or HR, whoever's keeping you, you know, you're dealing with, if you don't get it set up from there, that this is how we're going to work together. Mm. This is how we have to in this market. You know, really just lay it on. Yeah. They're not stupid. They know it's hard. So, so what, just out of interest, what do you call that? Do you call that your, your specking or the setup of the uh, engagement or the? Oh, oh, well, I call it chapter five of my book, but the, <laughs> the intake strategy session. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I just want to, about three years ago, you were on stage and yeah. our members. We had a great session. At the time, you were just. Oh, you're totally inviting me back, okay, with tech. You know it. This you, time. you know. It. And then <laughs> you, uh, you're about to launch Robot Proof Recruit your book. Yes. You're, you're bringing out the next version um, in uh, yeah. September, I think, roughly. August. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Mm. During that period, we've had a global candidate pandemic, mm -hmm. the talent shortage is, is uh, accentuated. What is different in the new book? So what fundamentally has changed, has evolved, what needs to be even better uh, than it was? To, to, so if anyone grabbed a copy now, it would still be relevant, or you'll get to maybe the bit about flexible working and you'll have a giggle, or I might say in person and you'll think, well, I can't really do that in person right now. So it, the fundamentals haven't changed, but what's changed uh, the some of the examples that I've used and where there's been just that embracing of we can do things differently. So that's been a bit more of a mindset shift. Um, where I've been probably disappointed is the fact that we are still ghosting candidates and we've still got a crap reputation and nothing's really improved like I hoped. <laughs> um, so that's certainly the same thread going through. But the fundamentals of the book, whether you pick one up now or you wait, and I wouldn't because you'd still get value from it in the next six months. Um, the fundamentals are still the same, which is put the human first. Mm. And by that, I mean the candidate because it's their market. I call it a candidate owned market. I just, it, you know, from when you and I started out and, it, you know, if you've heard me talk, you'll have seen me say this, you know, we looked in a newspaper. <laughs> we didn't know how many jobs were out there. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, you couldn't leave a job without another job. There was such fear. It was carrot and the stick. And it was, be grateful you had a job. Now it is companies, be grateful you have employees. It is, it's literally like that because mm. they're being approached all the time. Mm. And I think what's also really interesting is you're seeing long-standing employees changing jobs. You know, they might have been there 10, 15 years and they're even getting itchy feet and moving. That's unexpected. Mm. So, 
And, and that, that, that candid engagement strategy, which is, mm. as, you, as you talked about, it's about the longer term play. It's about this, this yeah. is a relationship we're embarking on. Yeah. Um, from a from a recruitment consultant skill set point of view, you know, the, mm-hmm. there's the virtual relationship, there's the there's the career coaching, there's the developing you. That there are so many things that we can be doing to add value to these candidates. Yeah, uh, and it's all there, isn't it? Oh, it totally is. And it doesn't have to be really heavy. You know, I used to remember when I was doing my job and you'd open a CV and you'd be like, oh, God, I can't believe they just did that. You know, it's the most fundamental mistake. And yeah. it could just be a quick post on LinkedIn. Look, you know, hey, guys, when you write your CV, don't do this because what it'll do is put us off. We won't want yeah. to talk to you because it's such a hard document to write. So just like little bits of fodder like that, they can just be little snapshot updates. And stuff like that. Or use a tool, like use something like Pager that'll help you share industry insights. You know, mm-hmm. there's, a t- there's technology out there to prompt you to share stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be heavy because I know a lot of your listeners have been like, oh, God, I've got enough things to do. And I get that. Like I started doing a LinkedIn newsletter. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got another right blog. And it can take me all day. Um, so I get it. I totally get it. But if you want to be the go-to person in your marketplace, you have to be sharing knowledge and you have to be sharing stuff that's helpful mm-hmm. that attracts people to you. Hmm. Um, and and then you'll be okay. But just watch your market. I always say, like, you know, anyone who was an expert in COBOL back in the day <laughs> and then went, oh, dear, when it disappeared. <laughs> so, yeah. And what does what um, recruiters should we be doing in terms of, of offering talent intelligence, market intelligence? Because as, a, as an employer, you know, years ago I was a – I had nine thousand people as, a, as an HR director, and if I was in this market today, I'd be I'd be all over the place thinking we'd better find something creative to do here. And the opportunity of working with somebody who could really educate me about the market, the you know what some people are calling talent, talent intelligence, I would have loved yeah. that. I would love that, but I'm not seeing as much of it as maybe is is possible. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's probably because they're spending a hell of a lot of time looking for people. <laughs> And it's a bit hard to just throw that on. But, you know, because, it, it, you know, back when we could do much more in-person stuff, but I think people are a bit resistant to it still. You know, you could do a breakfast, couldn't you? You could do a lunch and learn. You could do a something that you could have for your clients, which would give them insights into what's going on in the marketplace. Um, but, you know, you could do a crowdcast or, a, you know, there's, there's technology that would allow you to put, put on an event, put on a webinar mm-hmm. um, and invite your clients in and say, you know, we've got an expert coming in to talk about this. Um, whatever would be of value to them. And what you have to do is think of what is of value to them. Mm. It, it's like not what's in it for me. And it's the same with candidates. What's of value to them? Mm. Um, and it's the same, like, you know, if you're you're trying to, I think of some of the stuff some of my clients get up to, because I deal a lot more with in-house. So I see how incredibly innovative they're being. Um, but they run meetups and things like that for their technology sector. You know, if you've got a product designer, they'll run something for the product people and then they attract all these people in and they've got their own pool going that then the agencies are competing with. So what are the reason we can't do similar? What other innovations are you seeing from the in-house crowd? Um, they use their employee advocacy where they're allowed. Of course, there's examples where they're not, which is really silly. Um, so they have that upper hand because they can actually get, so, you know, the, their developers getting in contact with other developers rather than recruiters because developers don't like us. For example, um, the meetings, I see lots of blog writing going on, um, events, all that sort of stuff. It's just more getting creative. But I think also, oh, the other thing I would say, um, if your client isn't doing hybrid, just walk, walk away. 
I literally would walk away. <laughs> I just, people are wanting hybrid of some description. I mean, even 100% remote. I was actually uh, talking to a HR director yesterday and he was saying they're going to roll 100% remote. And I said, I don't think you should. Yeah. You've got an office space there. Give people the choice to sit in those seats if they want to, because some mm. of them will want to escape their children, for example. I know. I'm not a mother, but I'm hearing this from <laughs> mums and dads. Sometimes they just literally want to go somewhere. Some people yeah. need that change of scenery. I love working from home. But it's don't, so don't make it one or the other. But it's if a company is not doing that, they're going to struggle because people are demanding it. You know, if you're recruiting knowledge workers, they can work anywhere. They can work in a cafe. Like don't make them have to go into the office five days a week. And I truly think that anybody recruiting for that will find it really tough. And I don't see that changing. In fact, I see it getting worse. Hmm. So I and I know you're feeling so, very empowered. I know from talking to you previously, you have no intention of starting up a recruitment agency and doing that, going back that, that side again. Mm-mm. If you did, if you did, Katrina, <laughs> with the market that we're in at the moment, what would be the um, what would be the differentiating strategy that you would implement? Uh, really, but I, I don't. I'd absolutely micro niche and I would go into tech because it's my background, even though it's like the toughest, but it's the one I understand the most. Um, So I would totally, I would go candidate first. So I would be gathering my pool of people. And I I appreciate that's quite hard for um, startup agencies, but I'd hope you had some cash that you could do that. Um, (laughs) And obviously what's your niche? Like I was saying, you know, if you pick COBOL back in the day and suddenly it disappeared, you know, be careful what niche you pick. Always keep your eye on the market. But I would be gathering people and then I would be approaching companies with the, I have this pool of people. They are properly clarified. I'm not selling you in CVs with people that actually don't even know I've just sent the CV over. I mean, we all see those cowboy practices. Um, and just say, like, I am the go-to person in that market. That's the only thing I do. And I would be, that, was, that would be the approach I'd be taking. But if you're genuinely having great conversations with developers and really understanding, for example, what they're doing, they will also refer you in. Yeah. So, uh, so but, but what you described there is is nothing out, outrageous and disruptive. You're just saying do this stuff brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, but I would just be, I'd want to be the go-to person in my market. So it would be the only thing I talk about. Like all I ever talk about is basic, I mean, it's now called candidate experience, it didn't, isn't it? But that's all I ever talk about is could recruiters Recruiters, hiring managers and HR, could you all partner together properly so that we start treating people properly? That's all I care about. It's all I talk about. Mm. It's always this, you know, I, I'm concerned about the underdog at all times with everything I do. And so people know me for that. Oh, you want candidate experience, Katrina? Oh, you want to fix that, Katrina? Mm. And it's just people refer all over. I get business all over the place. It's bizarre. I don't even know where it comes from half the time. I don't ask. I just go, thank you very much. Very grateful. But it's that because I'm known for that. It's all I care about. So it's finding that same thing, that same thing that you really care about. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing the output of that is is a shift in mindset. Because ultimately, if you don't, if, if you don't achieve that shift in mindset, you'll never actually yeah. implement. Yeah, I mean, the the mastermind online is really cool because it's it's that you know backbone that sitting up partnering. You know, I'm more focused on that, and that's for agency or in house. But it's seeing how they the difference they then create with their hiring manager that just makes recruitment easier for everybody. Mm. And it's just because they haven't been taught how to do that. I mean, I put a poll out on LinkedIn that was, I mean, sadly only got 77 responses considering the views, but I think people didn't want to be that vulnerable. But I said, who's been taught how to reject a candidate? Mm. And only half the people that answered had. And you're going, whoa, 
Like, why are you being told that? That's what we do 99% of the time and say, I'm really sorry you didn't make it. You know, it, it, oh my gosh. So it's this fundamental, this human side that hasn't been taught. Mm. Um, but the more that's taught, the better the partnership, the better it is for everybody. So yeah. if there was ever a market for agencies to excel, it's this market. Because it's just, companies are struggling. So if you see, if you stay in your lane, like stay in your niche, and you can see that they're really struggling, you can sell people in, but they have to be genuinely sold in. Because I've sat on the other side receiving these CVs of, oh, we've got this person for your role. And you're like, okay, great. I'd like to interview them. Oh, they're not available. But that goes back. I rolled. That won't show on the podcast, will it? <laughs> that, <laughs> the eye roll, no. But the, uh, the big eye roll, monumental eye roll. <laughs> surely all that goes back to chapter five of your book. I keep, I keep calling mm-hmm. it chapter five. I think the, it the, is the, the bit about what, what on earth is this role? What on earth is this yeah. business? What What's on the earth problem? Am I this, I crowdsourced the, the questions because the last time I, I did an intake, it literally was. Billions of rows of data, click views, speaks tech and English. Like it was, that was it. And it was because it was the same kind of role over and over at this consultancy. But the, so I got them from Steve Levy, Maisha Cannon and Tanji Pettis. And it's things like, what's the problem you're going to solve? And could you imagine going to the marketplace and saying, our our client has this problem. Do you think you could help them fix it? Mm -hmm. I mean, how vulnerable. What mm-hmm. clients want to do that? They don't want to do that, which is daft because they all have problems. <laughs> That's why we're there. Like, what's the purpose of the role? Yeah. How do you know someone succeeded if you in six months' time? How do you know the hire was the right person? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting as well, like maybe less about the values. What are the behaviours that matter to you? Actually, I'll give you an example on that. Um, new client. Oh, actually, he's an old client. It's come back, but you know what I mean. Uh, he's, he just got headhunted for a director of TA role. And he said he hears it all the time. Oh, yeah, we're a hyper growth company and we've just been invested in. We're going to grow. And he just zones out. But this company said two things to him. One is we don't have values, we have behaviors. And the other thing they said was we, as the leaders of the company, how can we make TA the most incredible function? Because we understand the importance of it. And he just sat bolt upright and went, oh, sorry, what? <laughs> like, because that doesn't happen. You know, TA and HR get overlooked all the time. It's crazy. The people that bring in the people and the people that help them succeed don't get the funding. But so that made him sit up. And so you see how it's different from what everyone else is saying. They said something different. They showed something different. We have a set of behaviors. We have, you know, we want to help you. What do you need to make this the most successful function? We understand how important it is. So I think if you translate that onto any of the roles that anybody who's listening is recruiting, that's stand out. You know, don't be, oh, I'm looking for one of these and my client wants this. It's like, you know, we, the client has this problem. Would that fascinate you? Mm. You know, where do you see yourself going in your next role? Mm. The, the first kind of question to get them hooked in and answering you. Um, the other thing I'd like to see less of if you saw my last LinkedIn rant is candidates don't owe you their time. In fact, a prospect, as in you've identified somebody on LinkedIn and you've sent them an email that's a prospect, right? They don't owe you their time. And even if they reply and say, I want your job description, they don't owe you their time. Nobody owes you the time except the hiring manager because it's in their interest to owe you their time. And if we got more of that time, we'd do a much better job on the other side as well. Yeah. So it's, it's a shift. I see too much complaining on LinkedIn about, oh, candidates won't talk to me. If they talk to me, they'd say I'm really lovely. I don't really care if you're <laughs> lovely. They're not going to give you their irreplaceable time. 
Yeah. You know, the time that the listeners are giving us now, they're never getting it back. Mm. It's gone. <laughs> so, you know, respect people's time. So that would help as well. Katrina, is, um, it's all mindset. How can just um, how can people reach out and, and what can they get if they were to work with you? I do, I do, and I'll I'll say it even uh, <laughs> buy this buy robot proof recruiter. It's an absolute yes. Uh, I, I do love the fact you the fact you just flashed my book up. That was I feel very proud that you did that. I didn't screenshot it in time. Um, thank <laughs> you for the beautiful review as well. <laughs> the um, the um, version two. But and, how uh, else can they, uh, people work with you? Well, addition to it's not that different. So truly, do grab a copy now. I did donate my royalties to Hope for Justice Charity, which aims to end modern day slavery. So I'm not lining my pocket with the book. Um, the charity is incredible. So it's double good. Um, I run workshops. Um, I can run them with recruiters um, in agency as well. And they're stolen from the world of design thinking. And it's all about like, what can we do different? How can we be creative? And it really crowdsources everyone's ideas in a wonderfully, you work together yet anonymously kind of way. And everyone gets a say. And it's really good. It's like solving problems and coming up with solutions. Um, but I do that a lot in-house as well. So if you have any clients that just seriously just are doing really dumb things and it could be so much easier, that's perfect for me. Um, and then I have my mastermind program, which is relaunching next month, which is all about the human stuff. It's, mm. a, it's a monthly turn up, live coaching, mentoring, throw questions at me, let's brainstorm solutions and yeah. really get under the skin of the human side of stuff. Oh, we've got this problem. How can we fix it? Rara. I'm excited oh. to relaunch it. So, what a Oh, I speak a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> and, and, you're very, and you're very good at it. What, what a value yes. it would be for a recruitment agency to offer, come along and listen to Katrina talk about how, as an employer, you can totally uh, evolve and, and change your uh, sourcing strategies to attract the best talent. What a great value add to come along and I'm the agency. Mm. About 20 employers. What's, the, what's the benefit to them, do you mean? Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking in yeah. terms of how we add value oh, to yeah, our yeah. client base, how we add value oh. to employers. I, I just put on a <laughs> Katrina Collier workshop and um, and, and invite all my favourite clients on. <laughs> yeah, but it's the benefit of that is just you're going to get more business. I think they're looking for something different as well. Mm. They, they want to partner with people. They don't want to waste their time. Yeah. So the, the more you do it and the more they see the results, they're like, gosh, wow, really investing that one hour saved me 300 hours down the line. Yeah, think of all the interviews you can save them. So all that sort of stuff. Katrina, thank you. Uh, you're going to have a very, very busy year or two or three or four. Um, I am. It's exciting. Exciting times. And, I'm back on uh, planes again. I can't believe it. I'm traveling again. It's going to be so weird. <laughs> uh, we, we, will, we will see you again very soon anyway. So thank you. Fantastic. Uh, absolutely Thanks, gems. Gordon. Uh, I can't wait for August and version 2.0, but if you haven't got 1.0, get it now because it's a gem. Get it now. <laughs> um, we'll speak soon. Thank you. That's been brilliant. Thanks, Gordon.